The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to First Bite, the Detroit Lions, Pride of Detroit preview podcast for SB Nation. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the managing editor over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. Welcome to another week in the NFL. It's week nine. Detroit Lions are three and four. The Minnesota Vikings are the Lions week nine opponent. They are two and five. So we are here to preview it. We're also going to talk about some big Lions news that dropped a couple hours right before we started this. But before we get into all that, let me introduce my co-host, Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. What's up? How are we feeling, people? Stop doom scrolling. Just enjoy <laughs> yes. a podcast for a minute. Yes, we are going to try to keep things as light as possible on this, uh, as light as possible as we can for two losing teams in the, the two bottom teams in the NFC North and dealing with some other drama issues. But we'll, we'll get, like I said, we'll get into all of that. But before we do, let me introduce our special guest. You probably will recognize his voice. He's been on the show plenty of times. Um, he uh, he helped us break down some Everson Griffin things for the website as well. It's Arif Hassan from The Athletic or at Arif Hassan NFL. How you doing, bud? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to lead with the Everson Griffin thing. People do not seem to take that well. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes people need to hear the truth, though, you know? <laughs> Thanks again for mean? joining us. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean our shiny new toy is just kind of average? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised he was even available. <laughs> or or playing as you said like he's on one leg i think was the term that you used <laughs> uh, you're really endearing yourself to the audience right now too we, we need to do uh, some mean, favors to our reef i mean you led with that i mean we can talk about my matt stafford mvp takes from last year that that probably would help <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe we'll just bring that up. But you know what? It's a good thing Speaking. you brought up Matthew Stafford because we're going to lead with him a little bit here. Obviously, uh, if you're watching us live, just a couple hours ago, the Detroit Lions announced that he's being placed on the COVID in reserve list. Now, that means one of two things. It means either he tested positive or he came into close contact with someone and uh, they're doing it as a precautionary me- measure. It's, it's a new rule by the NFL that either one of those, they have to um, essentially segregate get segregate themselves make sure they are in quarantine for five days we've learned since that it's in the latter category he uh he did not test positive according to both uh adam Schefter and his wife kelly who went on instagram and, and cleared up the situation they were in close contact with someone now the key here is the timeline uh, according to Schefter, that close contact happened earlier in the week monday i believe is what he said so if you count the days tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday those are days he could theoretically come back and play on Sunday. Um, obviously won't travel with the team because the team travels on Saturday to Minnesota. So we're kind of in a holding pattern here. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with Stafford's availability. We know he's not going to practice with the team all week. We know he's not going to be there for walkthroughs on Saturday. Um, Arif, I, I kind of want your insight here because Cameron Dancer, I think, went through something very, very similar. Uh, as it, was it last week? Yeah, actually, yeah. So um, so the Vikings, we'll talk about this a little bit more, are tremendously thin at corner, and it seemed like they just kind of added another uh, name to the list when Cameron Dancer went onto the COVID reserve list. 
um, on Wednesday, actually. So yeah, it's it, the exact same timeline where I think his contact was on Monday. He goes on the list on Wednesday um, and then was activated actually on Saturday. Uh, and so he was able to play Sunday. Obviously, he had to test negative, um, I think, twice. Um, and, and that had happened. Uh, Kelly Stafford seemed to indicate that uh, everybody, including Matthew, has, has tested negative at least once. Um, so I imagine another negative test, um, especially right before the game, would allow him to be active. So, um, you know, clearly there are some disadvantages not being able to game plan with the rest of the team and so forth. But it doesn't look like the uh, Lions have to make a necessarily have to make a tough choice between Chase Daniel and David Blau. Yeah. I was going to say that's the that's the ultimate disadvantage. <laughs> if the Lions have to line up with Chase Daniel under center. That is the ultimate hey, disadvantage. He, he eviscerated the Vikings last year. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? Maybe he's yeah. got their number, and if there's a year that yeah, he maybe. can maybe repeat a performance, this seems like maybe the year to catch him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly it's possible. But really quick, um, obviously with Stafford, uh, the big challenge here is is like incubation periods, that sort of thing. Uh, a positive test probably isn't going to show up necessarily on a Wednesday. If the contact was on Monday, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but typically I think the incubation period is a couple, couple of four, three or four to five days, something like that. So we'll really, it's kind of a holding pattern until then. But as of now, it does appear he could potentially be available for, for Sunday's game. We're just kind of have to sit and wait. With that out of the way, let's talk Vikings. Let's get into the Vikings season because I feel like that's going to put a smile on my face at least a little bit. <laughs> uh I put out an article today, Arif, saying that I think the Vikings are significantly better than their two and five record. Do you agree? I guess. <laughs> I mean, okay. So uh, by the numbers, almost certainly. Like you take a look at uh, things like DVOA, you take a look at um, close game winning percentage, you take a look at point differential, you take a look at a game script, you take a look at opponent adjusted game script and point differential, and the Vikings are an average to an above average team. So. Yeah, by the numbers, yeah, sure, probably. I mean, they uh, they held the Titans uh, to within one point. They were within uh, one yard of beating the Seahawks. They were just one point away from that game. They beat the Tar out of the Packers somehow. Um, it, you know, Thirty-five mile per hour winds helped, but um, that, that I mean, it's there, right? The the Vikings have that capability. Um, and my argument has always been that, um, you know, if, if the Vikings are better than the record, it's because, you know, Kirk Cousins was playing uncharacteristically poorly first couple of games of the season. And, and that was unlikely to continue based off of like his career. Like he didn't have to play as well as he did last year for the Vikings to improve pretty tremendously. He had to just stop throwing picks, which actually he's been pretty good at over the course of his career. So yeah, yeah, the Vikings are better than their record. I don't know like how meaningful that is, though, because they're not like a good team either, right? So uh, they're very beatable, and um, they're very hurt. They're very injured right now at, at like some pretty important positions. So um, yeah, the Vikings are better than their record. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm like, I want the draft to happen already, so I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> you want the draft to happen again, Arif? As yeah. long as the Vikings don't have as many picks, right? Like, they yeah, need to have right. way less yeah, picks. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't even enter that draft with that many picks. They just created them. Like, yeah. like they yeah. always do, but, like, more than usual. Which is very yeah. frustrating. It's like the drinking out of a fire hose. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Like so, like, getting up these scouting reports live, I'm like, who did they get? <laughs> oh, I got to write that guy, too. It was... And then they had well, an undrafted free agent class, and I was just like, yeah, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> it's like too many players, guy. Too many players. But, you know, maybe they need some of those guys this week because they are, they are pretty good. We'll, we'll, we'll come back around to that in a minute. But, uh, Arif, you mentioned, you know, the Vikings kind of shocked everybody last week when they, like you said, beat the tar out of the Packers. What went right last week? Was it was it literally just situational? Was it those 35-mile-per-hour wins and, and unleashing a, a healthier Dalvin Cook? Yeah, well, I, I think um, the ball bounced their way a couple of times for sure. Uh, and then also it helped having 35-mile-per-hour wins, forcing the both teams away from the passing game until the Packers, after about the third drive, were forced to catch up and were forced to throw the ball. And Rodgers just couldn't throw the ball as well uh, just because of those wins. And so um, I don't know if any of you have seen um, some of the passing charts that have gone around from that game from Kirk Cousins, but he didn't throw a pass beyond 10 yards. Um, so what 15 dropbacks, 14 attempts, one sack, and every pass was below 10 yards, many of them behind the line of scrimmage. So they're really like screens or, or, or basically just wide runs. Um, yeah. and so that was part of it. Uh, also part of it is the fact that 
the Packers uh, just haven't figured out how to defend the run since like 2013. <laughs> uh, so at least at least from the Vikings perspective. So I think by the numbers, their run defense is fine, but against the Vikings, the run defense is like always tragically bad. Um, hmm. Which is, I guess, like useful given that the Vikings have always wanted to run the ball going back that far. Uh, and in this game, you know, Dalvin Cook was able to go off for uh, 226 combined yards. Um, I would say those more closely resemble, you know, a rushing game. I think he had 150 rushing yards, but, um, you know, he had a 50 yard uh, catch and run, 52 yards after the catch, uh, caught two yards behind the line of scrimmage. And that was basically a running play, it was a screen pass behind the line of scrimmage. So, um, a lot of that just had to do with the fact that they've got, um, you know, poor inside linebackers. They always fed. Um, Kamal Martin, you know, rookie from from Minnesota, uh, he uh, he actually, you know, has played all right, but he, he had a really poor game. And I think it's just because he's a rookie, right? Uh, and so they they haven't had that. I don't think Kenny Clark was playing at his full um, – I think he just come back. So I don't think he was playing at full strength. Uh, and, uh, and, and they got, you know, they got a little bit lucky. Like, uh, they got blown up behind the line of scrimmage a couple of times. It didn't show up because Dalvin Cook made the miss. He obviously is a very good running back. So it's not as if it's all luck, but I don't think that would happen again and again and again. I think, you know, you, you allow players behind the line of scrimmage often enough, they'll get blasted. I mean, Dalvin Cook isn't Barry Sanders. He can't just produce without an offensive line. I think that, um, they got, they got, uh, some things to, to go their way. Plus, I mean, they called holding on the Packers' offensive line, which is really in Lambo, which is really tremendous. You don't see that like, like four times too. Hmm. Um, so um, they had that go their way. Um, crazy and were, crazy like, world we live in, by the way. Yeah, right. yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah I should have realized that, that that Tuesday was going to be wild based off of what happened on Sunday. But um, the uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the penalty luck, I think, um, kind of struck in the Vikings' favors. There were. Uh, there were two questionable calls, one with the Packers way, one with the Vikings way, and the Vikings one just happened to be in a higher leverage situation. So um, that helps. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that this is a repeatable or sustainable performance. They got good performances from offensive linemen that have generally not been very good. And so, again, I don't expect that to continue going forward. And like Ezra Cleveland is a rookie that was the backup to the backup at guard, and he played tackle in college. And though he's a second round pick, I, I would find it shocking if he just turned out to be the best guard on the roster and the Vikings just didn't know it for like five games. <laughs> um, so, and he wasn't even the back. He was the backup to the backup. Like they, they decided, you know, if something goes wrong, we don't want this dude to try and patch the holes. We want like a confirmed bad player to do it <laughs> instead. Right. And so, yeah, he had like a pretty good game. Um, I, I, I don't really think that that's, you know, likely to, to keep on going on. So, uh, the weather created a game situation where it pit the the Vikings run defense against the Packers run defense uh, against two relatively strong running games. They didn't have Aaron Jones. They only had Jamal Williams, who's talented, but he's no Devlin Cook. Uh, and so that really just broke in the Vikings' favor in a huge way. And, you know, if, if the Vikings get off like another 50-yard catch and run for Delvin Cook, I mean, yeah, I, I guess the Lions are in trouble. It, I don't have the greatest opinion of the Lions linebacker group, so that's possible. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about Kirk Cousins, because I know he, he tends to draw a, a lot of attention over there in Minnesota a little bit. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I'm looking at his stats and I, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of Vikings games this year yet, <clears throat> um, but his stats are all over the place. You know, he's almost yeah. even in touchdown and interceptions, but his yards per attempt are the highest it's basically ever been in his career. So they're still airing it out and, and being somewhat successful at it. They've got two of maybe the best wide receivers in, in the game right now. But like, it, it seems like the narrative is he sucks this year. Is that, is that accurate? What's happening? <laughs> uh, when they lose, he plays a really big role in why yeah. they lose. Uh, when they win, he's not playing an enormous role in why they win. Okay. So it's pretty easy to just say, nah, he's a bad quarterback. And, and I wrote uh, two weeks ago after uh, the embarrassing loss to the Falcons that Kirk Cousins is not fundamentally a bad quarterback. They might have to move on from him long-term or whatever, and that's fine, and, and that's that's a reasonable opinion to have. But he's not fundamentally a bad quarterback, and, and people got really up in arms about that. And he didn't prove me right the next week, right, because he didn't <laughs> throw a pass beyond 10 yards. Right. Uh, and so um, the, the issue is that he had a bunch of bad picks, especially early on. Um, those picks put the team behind, and, and he's not very good at playing from behind. He's remarkable at playing from even or ahead. And, uh, and and that's because of his kind of reliance on play action. Uh, and, and he just doesn't have that this year. And I think he takes a little bit longer than other quarterbacks. I think he needs a preseason 
unlike, you know, your more intuitive quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers or, or Matt Stafford. I don't think that they need a preseason as much. So um, he needs structure and he needs to have that kind of understanding of where his receivers are going to be. They trade away Stephon Diggs. They bring in Justin Jefferson. As a pure talent, Justin Jefferson has gotten closer to Stephon Diggs than I think anybody thought possible, right? But I, I think that just in terms of having that relationship with Cousins, um, being able to manufacture those drives in the second and third quarter when it's not garbage time, you know, that wasn't really there for the first couple of weeks. And so you end up with situations where, you know, he doesn't know if he can trust that his receiver is going to be where he, he needs to be. And he kind of forces a ball here or there. Um, against the Falcons, he just didn't see linebackers underneath. It was like the Jameis Winston symptom, right? Like he just didn't know that there were linebackers there, which is not a, a typical problem for him to have, but it was just mm-hmm. completely his fault, those picks. Um, it also happens to be the case that he's one of the few quarterbacks that has had every turnover-worthy play turn into a turnover. <laughs> so, um, you know, th- th- I, I would count that as bad luck because almost every other quarterback has had, you know, interceptions dropped and stuff like that, and he really hasn't had to deal with that. Um, so there's that. Um, but, yeah, he's had bad games where he's made bad decisions. The Falcons game is a great example of it. Um, the Colts game is another really great example of it. The, he always does poorly against the Packers because um, they crash on the quarterback on play action. They don't really care much about the run game, which is another reason that they're run defense is not particularly great against the Vikings. Um, and so you know, none of that is really surprising. But, you know, when he's up against a non-divisional opponent or an opponent that doesn't do a very good job, isolating a specific game plan for what he does, he does really well. Um, so, yeah, he's all over the place because the way he plays kind of forces that to be the case because depending on the situation, he, it's either perfectly set up for him and it's the right kind of environment for him to be in. It's a team that bites on play action. It's a team that's not, you know, jumping out to an enormous lead. Um, you know, he doesn't have to drop back and sit in the pocket and manage pocket pressure. Or it's a situation where a team knows that he's going to be on a naked boot and they're just going to be like, yeah, Dalvin could get, could get six yards on this, but I'm going to just crash on the quarterback and prevent them from getting 20 yards on this. He's still, I think he's got the deepest throwing um, depth of target in the league right now mm-hmm. he's also got a high uh tight window throwing rate so he's a very aggressive quarterback right now which is not the reputation he's gotten but it's something he's done for two years uh and that's worked out because of the skill of the vikings receiver core but that only happens if he has time um he's he takes the longest to throw and i think a lot of that's not his fault i think a lot of it's just play action but he takes longer to throw than anybody else in the league for the most part and so when the when the pressure collapses or or the guess right, um, it, it, things just go sideways. And when it doesn't, it's it's an explosive passing game that takes advantage of the fact that Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are very good. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, with all that said about Kirk Cousins, and it seems like, you know, you mentioned all the turnover worthy plays ending up as turnovers. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. And you know, the Vikings defense you mentioned earlier on. You know, they're kind of like a perfectly average DVOA team. I think they're 16th in offense and 16th in defense. How much um, how much defensive regression has been there, Arif, just in terms of personnel and players that they've lost and, and things of that nature? Or, you know, has it really been Kirk Cousins kind of setting up the defense to be in these disadvantages um, or disadvantageous uh, situations? It's a little of both, but I think it's it's more the former than the latter. Like, yeah, they haven't been in great situations, especially turnovers have occurred near the red zone and stuff like that. So that's not great for their numbers, but they just haven't been playing very well. Um, at one point against Green Bay, and this is also a product of injuries, but it's a product of the defensive turnover they had. They had seven rookies on the field on defense. Like there were just some some plays where it was just seven rookies. Um, well, so there were some Lions plays last week, Arif, where there were only 10 guys on the field. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, two of them, right? Yeah. Uh, I think two and a half. Now. They blocked a punt with a guy rushing onto the field, their 11th guy rushing onto the field. Okay, that's pretty dope, honestly. <laughs> that is, <it's> kind <laughs> of awesome. <laughs> but yeah, seven rookies is not a recipe for success on defense, I don't think. Right, yeah. Like, you could have a draft class as good as the Saints one that grabbed them, like Marshawn Lattimore and Alvin Kamara and all that, and you could still you would still do poorly with seven rookies on the field. It's just almost impossible to, to field a good defense that way especially because defense is um, a weak link unit, right? Like the offense gets to choose who they attack. And so whoever's underperforming the most, that's where they'll go. Uh, and so you end up having like two rookie, co- like after Chris Boyd got into his three rookie corners, because it was Harrison Hand, Jeff Gladney, Cameron Dancer before he got uh, to, frankly demolished. And I'm like shocked that the Vikings think that he has got the ability to play this week, but no, I'm not a doctor. Um, 
so you had three rookie corners. Uh, you end up with a rookie safety because uh, one, when Cameron Dantra ends up going out, you know, uh, Anthony Harris has to play nickel corner, though he's never done it in his life, not even at Virginia. Um, and so they've got the rookie safety playing. Um, they had a rookie defensive line out there because they traded Ngakwe away and um, Anafadi Adenabo sometimes takes some snaps off. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like wild how, how much turnover they've had. And this is a defense from 2014 to, to 2019, year to year, never lost more than two players. Um, and, and usually the player they would lose is the player that they would have gained. So like Sheldon Richardson, they gain one year, they lose the next year. Sebastian, or not Sebastian, his nickname is Sebastian Thunderbucket. Tom Johnson. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, he's an what? incredible name, right? Tom Johnson, <laughs> yeah. uh, they, they gain one year, lose the next year, gain the next, uh, gain one year again. Shamar Stefan, same thing. So even the even the players that they sometimes cycle through, they'll, they'll get back, and so they, they're very familiar with the defense. So they don't lose more than two players. That Their defensive turnover has been remarkably low, and then they lose um, they lose Linval Joseph. I say lose, but they made choices here. Um, so they lose Everson Griffin and, and Linval Joseph, and then they lose all three corners in Xavier Rose, McKenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes. Um, and then before the season starts, they also lose Daniel Hunter. Um, the player that's supposed to replace Linval Joseph isn't available, so that's Michael Pierce. Um, and so that's, that's six losses, plus you don't have the replacement that you want. And then, you know, through, as the season continues, you, you lose Anthony Bard, IR, he's out for the rest of the season. You lose um, Michael Pierce because of the COVID opt-out thing I just said. Um, and apparently you're losing Holton Hill, who's the, the starting cornerback for the first two games. He hasn't appeared in the game since. He hasn't gone on IR, but you know, he's been on the injury report and he's been out every week. Uh, and so you're losing him as well. And he was supposed to be the number one corner. He was the one shadowing Devontae Adams in week one. That, I mean, that didn't go remarkably well or anything, but um, the, the Vikings thought he was the best corner for, for a while until Cameron Dancer proved that he could be that guy. So. Um, yeah, even even the players that they retained, they ended up um, losing for significant chunks of time. So that's six players that they they turned over um, a, as the season started. Um, they didn't get some replacements that they wanted, and then they lost two or three more players as the season continued. So yeah, there's been a ton of defensive turnover and a lot of miscommunication and blown coverages that you'd expect as a result of that. Um, the Vikings have had to change their coverage shell. So they were originally a cover three team in like 2014, 2015, 2016. Switched to becoming a cover four team uh, in 2017 through 2019, um, and there's a PFF piece saying that they're like leading the quarters revolution. So a bunch of teams are, are switching to quarters coverage. Uh, the Vikings were the first one, and now they just don't have the horses to play quarters coverage, uh, and so they're switching to like basic cover two, like that we saw way back in the in the mid 2000s. So um, yeah, they've had to switch their coverages as a result. It's worked, but I mean, veteran quarterbacks know how to beat cover two. So at some point, the bottom is going to fall out from under that as well. Um, but yeah, the, the defensive struggles, I think, are primarily a product of, of the fact that defensive turnover leads to regression. And I think it's really a credit to my, I mean, a lot of Vikings fans want him fired, but I think it's really a credit to Mike Zimmer that the defense isn't one of the rock bottom defenses, despite this problem. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And with that, we're going to take a break. <clears throat> when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about injuries on both sides of the ball, because I think it's going to be a big storyline. And then we'll get into our matchups and predictions. So stick around on first bite. We will be right back. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we are back on First Bite. 
previewing Lions versus Vikings week nine. Huge NFC North matchup between third and fourth place. Let's talk injuries. Uh, both teams are sporting a pretty, pretty long injury list. We've already referenced the Vikings one really quick, but I'm just going to throw a very simple question to you, Reef. Who the hell is playing cornerback this week for the Vikings? I would love to find out. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess Cameron Dance was on the concussion protocol and is not listed with an additional injury beyond that. Which is insane. Um, which, yeah, I, w- I would have expected based off of what we saw. Um, so he could get out of the concussion protocol. We just saw with Andy Dalton that that's not like a guarantee that you do it in the same week. So um, we'll see about that. Um, Mark Field is like their fifth cornerback. He's out. Holton Hill is their second cornerback. He's out. Harrison Hand is their fourth cornerback, I think. It's hard to keep track now. He's limited, so he'll probably be okay. And then the real question is, why isn't Chris Boyd on this injury report? Uh, because he just went down and looked like a non-contact during the game. Um, hmm. But I guess it was just cramps or something like that, so he should be good to go. So I'm guessing it's Jeff Gladney, Chris Boyd, and if they're lucky, uh, Cameron Dantzler. And that is not terrible, I guess. Um, so that's like the the optimistic side. But if Dantzler isn't ready to go or, or Chris Boyd like reaggravates, I don't know. Um, then you're down to playing like Chris Jones and I, I don't know if there's another corner. So you might be down to two. But it's like Jeff Gladney, uh, Harrison Hand if he if he's uh, good to go. And then, I don't know, Chris Jones he gets to have a revenge game. A lot of revenge games. <laughs> well, we'll get... Go ahead. I was going to say, it seems like there was an opportunity for the Lions to potentially exploit the Vikings secondary, but I, I, would I mean, so, yeah. well, but, yeah. it, it depends on who's throwing necessarily, yeah, but that's true too. To, yeah. And, and, and I'm sure you're aware, Arif, but I mean, the lions are really hurting too. Decker's on the injury report, yeah. Galladay, Flowers, uh, Vitae, Tracy Walker. Um, with all of those names being the traded for you know, Riley Reef, he's got, he's got <laughs> some familiarity, right? No, go away, go away. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're done doing any types of rotations here on the offensive line, <laughs> fingers crossed. But, um, you know, with that being said, and, you know, we mentioned, you know, Yannick Ngakwe getting traded away um, because the Viking season kind of went sideways. Like, depending on, like, who the Lions can throw out there on their offensive line, like, is there an opportunity for the Vikings to exploit that match up? You know, you, you talk about defenses being weak links, but, you know, flip it to the other side of the ball. Can can the Vikings do anything to the to the Lions offensive line that's particularly frightening? Okay. <laughs> it's uh it's it's bleak. Um yeah, so their defensive ends are probably DJ Wanham, fourth round pick rookie. He actually had a pretty good game last week. Um but I think that was more just Rick Wagner being bad, something that I think you're fairly familiar with. Um it says a lot of that like, guy. division incest going on. <laughs> there is. Uh, but uh, um <laughs> The uh, yeah, Rick Waker just played really poorly, right? Like, he was just like his hands were never up in time, he just wasn't getting out of a stance. And so, DJ Wanham got like five pressures, which, like, you yeah, know, power to him, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm still unconvinced that he is demonstrating that he can be um, a quality backup or even starter. And it looks like he might be a starter in this game. Um, if Adi Adenabo is um, a really high quality backup, low end starter guy. Um, so if the tackle situation really is that bad, and, and as you mentioned, without Vitae and Decker, it really could be, um, then there's an opportunity there because I think um, Odenabo uh, is better than most backup ends, and most backup ends can take advantage of backup tackles really easily. So um, that's just the way the talent works in the NFL. So I, that's an opportunity. Uh, they've moved Hercules Mata'afa because of all their uh, you know thinness at, at defensive end. They moved him uh, from defensive tackle to defensive end, and he actually did fairly well there last week. Um, so that's an opportunity as well. We'll see. But up the middle, I just I don't see anybody taking advantage of, of any interior offensive line play problems um, that the Lions might have. And Frank Ragnar is actually having a really good year. So yeah, um, there's a there's like an op- there's like limited opportunities in that respect anyway. But um, Shamar Stefan and um, and Jaleel Johnson are not that great. Um, and their defensive tackle rotation behind them hasn't done enough to prove that they deserve more time. Um, I guess their fourth-round rookie, uh, Blake Lynch. Um, no, that's the linebacker, James Lynch. Um, their fourth-round rookie, James Lynch, had, did all right when he got um, a lot more time, but he, he, there's a reason he's like a third-string backup, so um, we'll see. But, yeah, I, there's just not a ton of talent on the Vikings' defensive line. Um, 
I remember saying uh, a couple of weeks ago that the Vikings defensive line might be one of the, the worst defensive lines in the NFL, and an Alliance fan actually tweeted in response to like, well, would you say it was it was worse than the Lions defensive line? And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely, not a question. But Trey Flowers was healthy then, but um, but yeah, I, I don't think that, that it's much of a question. And that was when they might have still had Ngakwe. So um, yeah, yeah, and so. The, the Lions definitely are in, in a bit of a pickle, but it doesn't sound like the Vikings are necessarily there uh, <clears throat> to exploit them. But just worth noting, if Decker and Vitae can't go, that means you're starting Taylor Crosby, your, your backup swing tackle, and Matt Nelson, who is uh, a former defensive tackle. So that's, that's a creative player name. Matt yes. Nelson? It, yes, exactly. Is he what the- <laughs> I think yeah. he actually is. <laughs> I feel like he is. I'm actually now going to look this up because I feel like he's from Iowa. I hope it's he's a hundred percent Iowa Hawkeye football guy. That's incredible. Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> yep, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Yeah, I think the other big name there, as you mentioned, Trey Flowers, he got put on IR, which leads me into our first matchup that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the Lions' defensive line versus that Vikings' offensive line, especially as it pertains to the running game. We've seen Delvin Cook, you know, really come on in the, in, especially last week. But I think over the entire season, I think the Vikings are second in run offense DVOA. So my question, and I'll throw it to you first, Ryan. Does We've seen the Lions run defense improve over the last few weeks. Missing flowers is obviously going to hurt, but you still have that, that strong interior that's been playing so well. Do the Lions have a shot to, to stop the Vikings this week on the run? It feels like the biggest matchup of the, of the game, right? Yeah, undoubtedly. I think that that's where... Um, well... I- I think that's going to be a really tough matchup, but I think what is going to be really understated after watching Philip Rivers do the things that he did to Detroit a week ago, like Kirk Cousins Sounds is going to be when you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble last week, Arif, talking about Philip Rivers and conceptions <laughs> and interceptions, the Philip Rivers story. Um, but um, with all that being said. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook provides a a huge, huge problem for Detroit because of Trey Flowers being out. I think it's really understated how good of a run defender and tackler Trey Flowers has been so far this year, Jeremy. Um, Mm -hmm. And it certainly isn't going to be one-legged Everson Griffin who's going to step up to the the plate and, (laughs) and, you know, take on that challenge. And it's not going to be, you know, we've seen good things from Penasini. We've seen good things from Danny Shelton. But it seems like when... Dalvin Cook, and correct me if I'm wrong, Arif, but some of the runs I saw last week from Dalvin Cook were really a lot of like zone stuff and getting, you know, Cook to the numbers and letting him cut up field and, and do things that way. Um, and I think that provides huge, huge problems for the Detroit Lions, you know, defense because that's not running into their strength. That's running yeah. away from the strength of their defense. Yeah, I mean, you just take a look at how Denny Shelton was used by the Patriots. Um, they didn't even activate him for two of their playoff games, and then they activated him against the Rams, because though the Rams are an outside zone running team, they didn't have Todd Gurley, they had C.J. Anderson, so they could only run inside zone. Uh, and, uh, and and Shelton was remarkable at that. Um, but I think that's a good clue that, you know, he's maybe not the best fit to take on outside zone uh, teams, which is fine. That's, like, generally been his role. He's okay with it. Um, but when you don't have other interior defenders, they've got the ability to kind of step up because um, it, what you said, like Deshaun Hand is like pretty good against the run. He's not amazing or anything, but he's pretty good against the run. I think he's better than than a lot of the defensive tackles the, the Vikings have played um, that are not like DeForest Buckner and Kenny Clark. Right. Um, and so uh, there's some opportunities there, given how weak the Vikings interior offensive line certainly seems to be. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you're right that the that the Vikings kind of tendencies to run to the numbers, run to the outside, and only take cutbacks when they're there. Um, that gives them opportunities to take advantage of the fact that Trey Flowers is hurt. Like Romeo Cora came on really strongly the last two games, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's some opportunity there for him to to kind of show up. But he never struck me as a a run defender. He's just kind of a, a pass rush specialist to me, and which is like concerning given that he didn't get a ton of pressure um, until, until the last couple of weeks. Um, but you know, I, I think that they would want to run kind of maybe at Okora and, uh, and the back, who's the backup, is it Richard Ragland? I mean, 
it basically him and, and Trey Flowers have been spend, splitting time. There really isn't one now. Now it might be Everson Griffin. We don't really know. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. He's he's uh, I, like I wrote in the in the in the thing. He's been a historically he's been a very strong run defender, but he also has not been a very good run defender this year. Um, so we'll see about that. Maybe they'll want to test that out. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they ran at Romeo Cuera. They wanted to test out kind of the linebackers at the second level, see if um, Jelani Tavai is, is as good against the run as he was at Hawaii and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, I think it really does kind of expose the the fact that the Vikings can choose their, choose their strengths because they ran actually a lot of inside zone against the Packers last week, but that's because you don't want to be running into Zadarius Smith or Preston. Um, and so uh, that worked out for them, especially because they did a bunch of inside zone leads with CJ Ham. I think they'll do a lot more outside zone. Um, and I think it'll be because they've got, um, you know, a potential to exploit an opportunity here with Trey Flowers out. All right, let's move on to another key matchup in this game. Uh, we've mentioned it a ton of times already. The Vikings secondary is beat up. But can the Lions and will the Lions try to exploit that without Kenny Galladay? Ryan, we ask it every single week, it seems like. Is this the week? that the Lions decide to let Stafford sling it out there and then maybe not focus so much on the run game. Well, hopefully they have to let Stafford sling it versus let Daniels do it. That's going to be, that's going to be my hashtag for the entire game. Let Daniels do it. Um, But yeah, I I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about, um, and Arif knows the lead running back in Detroit very well. Um, Is this going to continue to be the Adrian Peterson show? Like, is this going to be another week of the Lions trying to force feed Adrian Peterson? And I can only imagine how difficult it would be for Chase Daniel if he was in the same situations that Matthew Stafford has been in yeah. all season long when it's third nines all day. The average <laughs> the average distance last week, Arif, for uh, the Lions third down was 10.08 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, so that would explain why Stafford is like fourth in depth of target, but like twentieth in deep ball percentage. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, okay. It, sure. It, it's <laughs> interesting because the Lions have been more fluid defensively than I think they've ever been. More open to change. Open to to. Yeah, to give a different... completely man coverage team all of last year and the first two weeks of this year. Yeah, and then they've been just moving to to zone coverage more and more often. Right, which that's interesting. Yeah, and and honestly, I think it, it's it was a reason why when the Lions went on that winning two out of three streak, there were some people, me including myself, were like, "Wow, this this could potentially work if they continue to be adaptable." But the one place they haven't been adaptable is on offense. They keep <laughs> they keep running on early downs. They keep force-feeding Peterson and, and making him the lead back in, in you know, neutral situations. Obviously, they like Swift on, on you know, two-minute drives and, and when they're just passing the ball 40 times and a half because they're down three scores or anything like that. But neutral situations, they love themselves to Adrian Peterson. We haven't seen them shift off it. Seems like this would be a great week to do it. Not that the, the Vikings are stellar against the run or anything like that, but with that beat-up secondary, just seems like this would maybe be a week you want to try it. But the Lions yeah, have had would, mismatches on I would still try to make this the Marvin Hall game if I were the if I were the Lions, which I guess he's already had one. He had like 113 yards, right? He but, did. Yeah. yeah one, one, <laughs> one, one catch was for 70 some odd yards. Well, yeah. that's who he is, right? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you make it the Marvin Hall game. Uh, give Quintus Cephas another shot because he had like a, a shot in Week One and, and did all right, and then they just never activated him. Yeah, he, he, he was heavily targeted. He was heavily ten, targeted in week ten one. Target, ten targets <laughs> his first game. I think I think he only ended up catching three of them, but um, he was getting open. He was getting a- open. Absolutely demolished fantasy owners that way. That's incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just let Marvin Holland... Like, the Lions have a bunch of my guys um, as, like, depth guys on at receiver, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. They're just guys that I like watching play. Um, Sir Marvin Hall, Quintus Cephas, I want to see more of them. Maybe not necessarily against the Vikings, but um, <laughs> I, I think the Lions are, are better handled to, to to deal with injury at receiver than most teams. Like Kenny Galladay is going to yeah. hurt no matter what, no matter what team you're on, um, not having him. But uh, the the receiver depth there is strong enough that I would certainly challenge the Vikings um, secondary, which is just it's, it doesn't match the, the, the Lions um, receiving depth. So. Um, especially deep, especially when when you've got you know somebody as fast as Marvin Hall, who's a good at, at tracking the deep ball as he is. So, 
Um, yeah, that, that's something I would expect. But yeah, I mean, given the intro to Galladay, I would expect um, the way that that I've seen a lot of teams do it, and I think the Lions are not that different in this regard, is that they would much rather focus on their own strengths than the other team's weaknesses, which... yes. Yeah, which you would, and, and they also they don't they don't realize that the running game is not one of their strengths. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, and you would think that like being a Belichick disciple or whatever it is, they they would adopt his approach of focusing on the other team's weaknesses because it's usually more productive. But yeah, I guess not. Um, which I mean, the Dolphins are doing that. So like, but anyway, <laughs> just salt in the Sorry. wounds right now. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's like we're finally seeing a Belichick disciple do something. I'm excited. Uh, yeah. It's just, you know, not in the division. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I would expect them to, con- to to continue to try and run Peterson. And, again, like, like you said, the run defense isn't necessarily all there for the Vikings. So um, I would I would certainly expect to see Peterson. I think the Vikings are fairly well aware of what his weaknesses are, and so they'll probably try and force a bunch of fumbles, try to force them outside, um, and, uh, and, and see what they can do. But, you know, I mean, he I – mean, he's not, like – a great running back anymore but he has like great moments still that are just like kind of astounding and so uh, we'll probably see one or two of those and it's going to be kind of frustrating as a vikings fan to see it um but for the most part i, I don't think it's going to be a very effective strategy i think stafford is too skilled of a quarterback um for them to to kind of keep him on the sidelines and, and have him try and come back to win in a four situation instead of managing a game where he's got like kind of like her cousins where you can um, kind of pick and choose when you're even or ahead, whether or not you can uh, choose to run or pass at the line of scrimmage. So um, I would suggest to the Lions where I were I an advisor to them to throw the ball uh, and and let, you know, Marvin Hall run all over Harrison Hand or whoever it is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, instead of running with Adrian Peters, or if they are going to have a running back on the field, but, you know, have it be DeAndre Swift. But um You're I, I, I would I would expect the Lions to to continue doing what they've done because I, I think the weaknesses the Vikings have at run defense will um be enough of a confirmation that this is something that they should do for a team that already wants to do it. Yeah, you have past the interview process of the uh of the job evaluation <laughs> where you are you are now the interim OC. Oh Jesus for sure. Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> really quick, really quick before we get into our predictions. Uh, short answer here. How screwed are the Lions young cornerbacks against uh, these? The number two rated PFF wide receiver, Justin Jefferson, number five, I think, for uh, Adam Thielen. For, yeah. yeah um, Adam Thielen. Uh, so I'll say this about Jefferson. So I don't want to undercut how impressive his season has been so far, but you have to realize, so he's averaging like like 100 yards, some crazy yards a game, right? Like 98, yeah. 100, something like that. Um Outside of garbage time, it's it's only 60 yards a game, which is very impressive for a rookie. It's yeah. remarkable for a rookie. but Especially it's not, for a wide receiver five, right? I mean, uh, Yeah, I guess it's five. Yeah, I, I always thought of him as four because but I always forget that Rager was drafted right above him. Um, yeah. But which, ah, he looked all right. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought Jefferson <laughs> was the obvious pick there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's playing really well, but I, I want to emphasize that the numbers do him a lot of favors because of the situations the Vikings have been in. Like torching Kendall Sheffield for 70 yards in the fourth quarter um, of a lost game against the Falcons, that's great for his numbers, and bad receivers don't really get to do that, so he's confirming that he's good. But it's also not an indication that the numbers are um, dispositive on the kind of receiver that he is. So I'll say that. But... Uh, at the moment, based off of what I've seen from Jeffrey Okuda and Justin Jefferson, who would I take? Uh, probably Justin Jefferson more often than not. <laughs> so so I'll, I'll say that. Um, what's interesting is that the Packers had Jair Alexander largely follow Jefferson. Now, part of that's because the Vikings hit Adam Thielen in the slot, and Alexander doesn't go into the slot that often, so the Vikings kind of chose that matchup. But when both of them were on the outside, there's a lot of instances where Alexander was actually following Jefferson. So some teams have already decided that Jefferson might be the receiver one. Uh, which um, is interesting because Adam Thielen is still a very talented receiver. So uh, how how screwed are those corners? Ah, fairly screwed. It's not <laughs> like, yeah, I, I would I would I would suggest that the other receiver cornerback matchup, on the other side of the ball is um, is bigger. But this should be a passing game, and both teams definitely want to run it. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, I, don't, I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> All right, let's move into our predictions portion of. 
the podcast. Uh, in case you aren't aware, Reef, we call it the one thing we think we know. Um, doesn't have to necessarily be a score prediction of the game or, or who wins. Just one thing like Adam Thielen's going to get 100 yards, something like that. Um, so let's kick it off to Ryan. What's the one thing you think you know about Lions or Vikings? Well, I, I always like to take the betting aspect of it, and I just tried to go on to uh, my online betting resource, and they've completely pulled the game off the off the line. So, mm. oh, Stafford, yeah, yeah. Stafford. So, yeah. um, I'm gonna have to flip things up a little bit here and uh, go shoot from the hip. So, um, my one thing that I think I know is that Adrian Peterson will lead the Lions in carries, rushing yards, and touchdowns. Ooh, going for a trifecta there. I love trifecta. So why not ride this <laughs> pony all the way to to a big payday? Huh? Um, I mean, and, and I don't think we I, it's it might be a little bit understated, but this could be a potential revenge game. Adrian Peterson Vikings, maybe. Is, no, does Jaron curse ever get active, by the way? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He's getting a, he's he's the third safety now. He probably plays about 40 percent of the stats, 40, 50 percent now. Yeah. A he, revenge game potential here. Yeah, yeah, and he, he gets on Twitter and talks about, you know, hey, I thought oh, everybody yeah. told me I was going to, you know, lose a lot in Detroit after winning two games in a row and then getting smacked in the mouth by the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. This is it, it, No, that's extremely J. Ronkers. Yeah. <laughs> like, he got mad when the Vikings, like, signed Sandejo because they didn't have any defensive backs right before the NFC Divisional game <laughs> or the Wild Card game. And he's like, yeah, I thought, I thought we had something. I thought it was different around here. And it's like, dude, you just had a Dewey. Shut up. <laughs> I, I like i like the way he plays it's just like some self-awareness my pal right yeah he, he took he took one bad penalty so far this year right jeremy didn't he have a um he had like a late hit yeah something like that yeah is that yeah, just his right. is he just like a really physical guy okay I, I so here's the problem he tries to be but like uh even going all the way back to clemson but he just doesn't like hit that hard um despite being like 6'11 or whatever he is. Um, <laughs> he is big. He's huge. Yeah, right. He's a, he's a yeah. power. Um, like the tallest nickel corner in the league, even though he's a safety. Uh, um, but yeah, he uh, he tries to be physical, but like he'll take bad angles all the time and 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 he'll hit at at um at angles that kind of reduce the impact of a hit. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. he he doesn't bring as much to bear, but he'll certainly try. So yeah, I can see penalties coming up. But yeah. Um, I love a guy who tries. <laughs> All right, Arif, let's go to you real quick. Right. What's the one thing you think you know for Lions versus Vikings? Uh, I don't know what the over/under and fumbles on this game is, but I'll take the over <laughs> on two and a half. Uh, you've got okay. you've got uh, two receivers that that fumble the ball. For, well, one in Adam Thielen that fumbled the ball um, a fair amount. Plus, the Vikings have dealt with some fumble problems. Dalvin Cook fumbles the ball a, a decent amount. Plus, there's Adrian Peterson, and that just feels like a free fumble right there <laughs> he's actually been clean so far this year the Lions you suffered do. their first fumble of the season not even just the first lost fumble the first fumble of the season season was last Lion, week lions are due that <laughs> well they had two last week so hopefully they got him out of the way but i'd love to you know what what we haven't seen in a long time ryan is the justin coleman the one punch man oh. one, one punch coleman yeah the one back. punch coleman what we're thinking justin coleman <laughs> that's true yeah. too yeah <laughs> yeah they had him in training camp let him go he balled out for the seahawks and he balled out for the patriots <laughs> we we know all about that travis Fulgham. anyways <laughs> uh <laughs> the one thing i think i know about this game is that we referenced it earlier i think this is a marvin jones uh huge game i think he gets over 100 yards in this game and i've been on a roll on this by the way last week i said Matthew Stafford was going to throw for 300 yards against the Colts defense, and he did. And I also said it was probably just going to be a, a victim of circumstance thing where it's not like he's balling out. He just has to throw the ball a ton. And I absolutely nailed that. So you can book it. Marvin Jones is going to have over 100 yards in this well, you, game. You, you established a streak of one. Did you hit the week prior to this, too? I did. Because yeah, I, after, I, betting I, on, after betting on DeAndre Swift 100 times no, in a row. No, it was it was TJ Hawkinson the week before that. <laughs> and that and before that, it was DeAndre Swift, my third time. Was that, was that Hawkinson got like 70 yards and he was like the best blocker in the game? Was that the that sure. game? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. It's just Arif, a win for him. Yes, I'm going to take whatever win I can get. Sure. Arif, oh, yeah, brother. 
Tell the people where they can find you, what you got going on. And, and if people haven't had enough politics this week, I, I know you got a politics podcast, so maybe you can pimp that too. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, at Arifasan NFL, A-R-I-F-H-A-S-A-N NFL. Um, I've got two Vikings podcasts that I'm on. One is Norse Code. The other one is called the Zone Coverage Football Machine. You can find those where you find podcasts. Um, and then I'm also at The Athletic. I'm writing both uh, Vikings coverage and broader NFL coverage. Uh, and tomorrow morning, we're going to be publishing uh, Players of the Year midseason edition, so like an update on Players of the Year. Uh, there is at least one Detroit Lion on the list and at least two honorable mentions for the Detroit Lions as well. Jack um, Fox, baby. Yeah. Better be Jack Fox or, or I'm coming for you. I did not include any punters or kickers. Oh. Um, <laughs> but that does mean that, like, Meaningful players made the list. So <laughs> How <laughs> dare you? That box is really remarkable, though. I'll, I'll say that because uh, there are some weeks where I do include a punter, and, and he's made half of the list. So, um, yeah, he's yeah, he's pretty remarkable. Uh, and he got screwed out of a touchback too, or uh, out of an inside the twenty on a touchback too. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm paying attention. Um, but uh, but yeah, so you can find that there. And then you mentioned the politics podcast, which updates insanely sporadically, like it just barely ever updates, but um, that is the Wide Left podcast. Um, I am still fighting with iTunes because the because Libsyn took off the podcast and then iTunes canceled it. And then I tried to get it back up on iTunes. It's not working. So uh, it's tough to find it on iTunes or any search engine that uses iTunes. But the RSS feed still works and is active. So you can find that. And, you know, after all this is over, I might just rant on it. So who knows? But it's called the Wide Left podcast because those are my politics. So people can do that. There you go. All right, Arif, thank you again. I owe you so many favors now uh, for, for all that you've done for Pride of Detroit. So appreciate you joining the show again. Please make sure you're following him at Arif Hassan NFL. Thank you all for listening. And like always, and especially this week, it's chaos. Be kind. Be <laughs> kind.